Welcome to the Informal Podcast. I am your host, Austin Coley, alongside with my good friend, Sam Lewis. Sam, what is going on? Not a whole lot, man. It is great to be back. We've been doing a lot of baseball pods over the summer, but it's football season. It is officially kind of football season, I guess. Almost. Week zero. Sort of. Week zero. Um... Right now, you've got some other football. You got some meaningless pro football going on. Um, you've got some CFL going on. The Arena you League may or may not be in action. I don't follow the Arena League. You got um, some European football going on. Shout out Swansea and their uh, rele- relegated. You know, trying to make it back to the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, good for them. You know, they're just <laughs> plugging along. That's what you got to do. Just, you know, one one foot after the other, brick by brick, some might say. <laughs> oh, no. Not me. Don't put I that on that. them. <laughs> Do not put that on them. So what's going on? How, how have you been? I've been great. I've been great. You know, it's been busy. We've been traveling a lot, but uh, we actually, you know, might have a week or two here where we don't have to go halfway across the country, and it's good. It's good. We're going to watch some baseball. Hopefully the uh, Braves can win a game again because after this past weekend, um, my prospects for winning another game are not high, but you know, we're well, you are hope. you are playing the Pirates right now, so you'll probably lose, get swept this series as well. I mean, as much respect as I have for the Pirates organization, right now it's one to nothing Braves. So um, I say we just call it. I think the game's probably over. Just send them to the house. Call it a dub for the boys. Go Braves! Yeah, you're gonna need some rain for that to happen. <laughs> like in the minor leagues, that doesn't happen in the major leagues. I don't think they don't do rainouts. Um, I think they have to finish them, right? Uh, I, don't know. I, I don't know what they're. I think you have, if you get through five, they can call it, but they never do that. I don't know. The Braves are in a stretch where they're playing like th- twenty nine games in twenty two days or something ridiculous. So I mean, if it's a rain out, they'll just play a triple header tomorrow. <laughs> it's whatever. <laughs> we always joke in in minor league baseball. So if if there's a double header in the MLB, it's always two nine inning games. But for us, it's two seven. So. I always joke that if one of those gets rained out, then we should just play three fives the next day. Three call fives and call it good. I mean, we used to do that in high school. You know, you get the two five-inning games and then the seven-inning game with the varsity. It's great. It works out perfectly. <laughs> the only no-hitter I ever threw was in a five-inning game freshman year. It was great. I think you threw a no-hitter and the double-hitter after that. I believe it was snowing that day. It was snowing in, like, mid-April. Yeah, yeah. Flashback Classic, to, like, 15 years ago. We need to close the yearbook. Um, so before we get rolling on on this, we talked a little bit about baseball, but, um, and I know you and Aaron Lewis are doing a pod that you should be putting out pretty soon, but is there anything you would like to discuss with me about baseball right now? Well, this is going to be a primarily college football podcast. Um, but before we get going, we have to talk about Ronald Acuna getting maliciously Sorry, I'm not supposed to taint my opinion on this. Ronald Acuna getting hit by the first pitch of the game, Jose Urania of the Marlins, after Acuna had let off the previous three games with home runs. First pitch, Urania, 97, off the elbow. I need your uh, unfiltered take on this immediately. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, of course you did. (laughs) Let's go. No, I mean, Urania was just saying, you know what? I know one way he will not hit a home run off of me, and that's if I hit him (laughs) right in the back. (laughs) 
in between his numbers, he cannot hit it out of the park. It's science. <laughs> Probably. He might. He, he could, could take still. a chance. He could. But you step he, in the bucket, that, you clear the hips, you let it fly. But yeah. I, I saw that Urania was one of four pitchers that have started a game in the live ball era and done one pitch. And really? I didn't see that. Yeah. And I'm guessing the other three players were ejected as well. Um, to be. I always joked with some of my teammates about how many straight batters I could hit in a row before I got ejected from a game. Like, hypothetically, if you hit the yeah. first guy, hit the second guy, hit the third guy. If, if it wasn't malicious, but you just kept hitting them, how many until you got thrown out of the game? So I guess the answer is one. Um, <laughs> I guess the answer is one hitter. Um, the key word you had there was if it wasn't maliciously. Um, if I... I think the reason he got thrown out is because Brian Snicker, the Braves manager, absolutely lost his mind and almost had a stroke on the field. And I think he refused to leave if they didn't eject Urania. So <laughs> he was I don't know if it's all Lloyd McClendon and, and <laughs> he was gonna, watch the base. He was going to sit down on the pitcher's mound and not move until they ejected Urania from the game. So it may not be a res- representative sample of how many pitch players you could hit without getting tossed. Um, but this scenario was one, and it was rightfully so. He had to get tossed. Because if you don't toss him, now the Braves have to hit someone. And now our starter is going to get ejected and get suspended. And we're in a playoff race here trying to win the division. So they did the right thing. It took them a while, but they did the right thing. I'm going to guess that Fultzy was not pitching. Because if so, Urania was putting his boys (laughs) in trouble. You Um, could see it. As soon as he hit Acuna, Rio Muto, the catcher, just rolled his eyes. I was like, oh, my goodness. Now I'm going to get drilled my next at bat. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. A lot of that stuff goes on in baseball. Obviously, a lot of it's deserved. I don't know any of the back history that went on, um, if there was any, or if it was just because he's hit a whole bunch of home runs. But um, I don't know. I can't really say one way or the other because I wasn't paying attention enough, I guess. But I will say extremely bold on Urania's part to do that first pitch. (laughs) And then to come out after the game and say, oh, how do you think I feel? I waited five days to pitch, and I only got to throw one pitch, and they ejected me. Feel bad for me. (laughs) That's bold. That's bold. Before we move on, I got one more question I got to ask you about this because if you listen to the baseball pods, I've been pretty outspoken about how terrible Brian Snicker is as a manager. Um and uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that during the ruckus that ensued after the hit by pitch, I tweeted, and I quote, Brian Snicker has officially won me over because of his just passionate defense of Ron Lacuna. My question for you is this. How much does that kind of stuff matter to you as a player? Because from the outside looking in, I, was, I felt a, a sense of respect, I guess, for the way Snicker handled that situation. But then you turn around and the next four games against the Rockies, he's making just ridiculous pitching pitching changes and leaving guys out there in situations they've got no business being in and curious lineup construction and just, in, in my opinion, actively making it harder for the Braves to win. But at the same time, the guys in the clubhouse absolutely love him. So as a player... I mean, obviously, I'm not asking you to get specific here, but how does that balance for you from tactical management to stuff in the clubhouse that we don't see from the outside looking in? Yeah, having and building team chemistry in the clubhouse and also, like you said, just having players' backs on and off the field, that's, you know, like you said, Snicker did with Acuna and coming out and, you know, just making a big deal about Urena hitting him and, you know, getting getting – 
real fired up about that. That plays huge, but also, you know, in the media, right? You know, guys struggle. Um, and if the manager throws a player under the bus, you know, it, it really it doesn't bode well in the clubhouse because as a team and even the coaches and the managers, you all want to play as one. So, you know, it's sort of like if one of us goes, we all go. Um, and I think that sort of, it, it, it adds a lot of, it's just straight, you know, intangibles and leadership and, um, you know, being a good manager of the team. Um, but then when you come down to the X's and O's, I think you've got to sort of have a blend of both of them. Um, because, you know, if, if it wasn't all about baseball, then they would just put, you know, glue guys as managers and move on, even if they didn't know anything about the game. So um, I think you got to trust what you're doing. you got to – I've never been a manager before, but just as I've observed with my managers, you've got to trust and have conviction in what you're calling, even if it's the wrong sign to put on, if it's the wrong pitching change to make, if it's the wrong lineup to make. Um, you got to trust that it's the right one and have the guys in your clubhouse also trust that. And if you do that, then you're good because the players believe in what you're doing. Um, like it sounds like the Braves believe in Snicker, then you win games, what you're doing. It's true. It's tough because when you try to look at, especially baseball from a more analytical perspective, which the older I get, the actual, the more I kind of dive off into the stats and you can't say that the intangibles don't matter because they 100% do. I mean, every game you watch, you can see the way the players interact with each other, the way they interact with the coaching staff. It absolutely matters. But the issue is you can't really quantify how much it matters. So, I don't know. It's just interesting to get that straight from from you, who has obviously got more firsthand experience with that than I do. But, I mean, we could talk about baseball. It's, we've, been, we've been on the football pod for almost 10 minutes and have not talked about any football yet. So, we should probably – talk about what we're here to talk about yes how excited are we for football oh my gosh I absolutely cannot wait and honestly when we started this pod the first thing we talked about was football so it's sort of come full circle now we're back I guess for season two of the informal football podcast <laughs> season which is two cool. back and better than ever I didn't think we would last until episode two you and know what I guess I we're either. I guess we're technically the ones putting us on the air so we can last as long as we want to which is a good thing for us so <laughs> let's start with the AP rankings that came out today um Alabama was Obviously. shocking, right? Yep. Alabama was the number one team ranked in the AP poll. They had 42 out of the 61 first-place votes. Clemson was two, and they had 18 first-place votes. Georgia was number three, which is the biggest disgrace, as they had zero first-place votes, <laughs> when number four, Wisconsin, had a first-place vote. If that's not the biggest... Ooh, I can't believe that ha- that happened to Georgia. Ohio State was five. Uh, we can we can dig into that, but they probably would have been higher without the um, all the allegations and stuff yeah, going on. Yeah, is there anything going on in Ohio State right now? No. You know, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, there is. <laughs> um, and then rounding out the top ten is Washington, Oklahoma, Miami, Auburn, and Penn State. So your initial thoughts on those AP polls? There were some po- polls that came out before this. I, I don't know if they were coaches' polls or, or whatnot, and um, Alabama was also ranked first there as well. So um, what, what are your takes? My first take is that the informal 
top 25 poll will be coming out the Friday before the season starts. So that's in the works. Everybody else has got a poll. We are going to have the most a poll accurate. as well. The most accurate poll. Tennessee will be prominently involved. Um, in a more serious note, I think <laughs> <laughs> you've got uh, on the note you sent me. You've got you've got it kind of broken down into overrated slash underrated teams. So the first one that jumps out at me is obviously Wisconsin. I don't understand why Wisconsin. Wisconsin's one of those teams that going into every year, they could be ranked in the top 10 or they could be not ranked at all, and I would have no idea until the season ends. <laughs> and then being ranked not only in the top five, but somebody voted them number one overall. What is, what is happening? I thought I followed college football. Apparently I don't. Were they good last year? I, don't, I could not tell you if they went to a major bowl game or they didn't make a bowl at all. I honestly couldn't tell you. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. All I know is that they have Jonathan Taylor tailback who at tailback who is very good, really good running back. Um, he was a freshman last year, and then they have that left-handed quarterback that I think the farthest pass he can throw is like 18 yards. And other than that, I don't know. <laughs> Holbrook? Holt? Is that who, him? Is that his name? I don't know. He's a left-handed guy. And they've also got like four really good white linebackers. But that's just in perpetuity. And they've probably a massive four. offensive line. Sure. Probably got a good block and tight end. I don't, they, I don't know. Are they good? I have no idea. That was weird to me. Also weird to me, well, not weird, completely predictable, but I disagree with it, is Alabama being ranked above Clemson. I think Clemson should be ranked number one overall. And I am not Why surprised that, that they're not. But, I mean, they're bringing pretty much everybody back. They've got four guys on the defensive line who are probably all going to be first-round picks this year, not to mention all the other studs they've got on defense. They're returning Kelly Bryant at quarterback, who had a pretty solid year last year, and they're bringing in the number one overall recruit at quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. And I don't know. I just I think they've got an easier path to the playoff than Alabama does, and it's gonna, they're going to be the number one overall seed going to the playoff. Spoiler alert. We're going to get to that later. But I think they're, they should be ranked number one. I think they're the best team in the country. Alabama is going to have a lot tougher road. I think the Clemson does as well. Um, I mean, Alabama obviously has to play Auburn. They have to play Mississippi State, who's ranked 18. They have to play LSU, who's ranked 25. And then, in the assuming they make it to the SEC championship and Georgia makes it, they'll have to play Georgia again, which isn't really a big deal because we saw both of those teams play last year, um, and both of those teams made it into the college football playoff. Well, you um, also forgot to mention that they have to come into the hornet's nest that is Neyland Stadium in October. Good luck. Wait, with no. That. Georgia played Auburn last year in the SEC championship. Yeah, that's correct. That is correct. Georgia played Alabama in the national championship. Uh, yes, last year. That is so correct. You were you were correct. I was on half all right. Accounts. I was and, yes, yeah. Um, and so Alabama actually didn't make it to the SEC championship and yet won the national championship which is a classic Alabama thing to do. That's the most Alabama thing ever. You know Nick Saban was like, look, we could throw this Auburn game, get a week off, get the number four seed, and then just win the whole thing. Let's just do that, right? Let's give everybody a week off. That'll be great. And it works out exactly like that because he's Nick Saban. So are there any other teams in the top ten that you could see making a run up or any teams, I guess, in the top 15? Well, a team that I think, I guess you say top 15, I really like Penn State this year, and I like Penn State for one reason. It's not James Franklin. I have a, James Franklin is my mortal enemy. I really like Trace <laughs> McSorley at quarterback. He's, he's got – he's just that, like, prototypical, stereotypical 
a typical, I don't know, typical college quarterback. He doesn't have a very good arm. He's not very athletic. He's really short. He's not going to play in the pros, but he just slings it around. And I, he's going to be a fantastic quarterback for Penn State this year. I think they are also returning a lot on defense. They were really good last year. Um, I think they've got a chance to be a surprising team, and especially with Ohio State, which, I mean, we'll talk about Ohio State in a minute, but with Ohio State going through what they're going through, you know, Michigan State has not had a smooth offseason by any stretch of the imagination. And Michigan, you know, has perennially over underachieved for the last few years. So I think that division might actually be opening up for them to finally make the playoff. They flirted with the last couple of years. I could see Penn State um, popping up, winning the Big Ten, and making the playoff. Trace McSorley is a lot better quarterback than a lot of people think. He is definitely getting some Heisman consideration in the preseason, and it will be interesting to see how he carries Penn State without Saquon Barkley through the season. One team for me that I think is really interesting watching going, especially in the beginning part of the season, is USC. USC has a quarterback that came in. Uh, that I just read an article about him actually on The Ringer a couple days ago, JT Daniels. Did you read that article? I did not. I actually was looking at USC, and they're another team that I haven't dived into as much as I'd like to because you know they're talented. But, um, no, tell me about the quarterback. So USC has a couple quarterbacks that are returning that backed up Sam Darnold last season, and apparently neither of them have really been able to get a hold on the offense and consistently drive the ball down the field. So in comes this guy. His name's JT Daniels. He I don't he's a five-star quarterback, and he actually finished his junior season. He finished his junior year and combined it with the senior year just so he could enroll early at USC so technically he should be a college or a high school senior right now but instead he's at USC preparing to possibly play and just from the story I read about him this guy is all business I mean everything he does is about bettering himself apparently on his official visit all of they they brought in a very exclusive group of recruits to come on this weekend. And while the other recruits were trying on gear and checking out the stadium and doing what you do on a recruiting visit, he spent the entire visit in the film room with the USC coaches breaking down film. And he even just left and they said went to grab a burger and came right back um, to eat there just so he could watch as much film as possible. Um, If you haven't read it, you should go on the ringer and and read that article about him. He's somebody I think you should definitely watch out for because it sounds like he has similar drive um, to what I heard about Brady coming up. Uh, I'm scrolling through this article right now as you were talking. I vaguely remember this story during recruiting last year. Um, The name sounded familiar. I vaguely remember this. He's doing the same thing, I guess, that Jake Bentley did at the other USC at South Carolina a couple years ago where he came in, reclassified, supposed to be a high school senior. And Jake Bentley didn't start right away, but started, I think, you know, about halfway through the season. But if it was he, 17, 18 years old? And it looks like, based on this, he's going to be the quarterback, which is incredible to me. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a high-risk, high-reward thing right there. Because, I mean, like you said, I guess he's, he's you know, got all the pedigree in the world, got all the talent, you know, was a blue-chip you know, I, I guess five-star recruit. But if you throw that kid out there 
you don't know how he's going to handle playing the highest level of college football right away. I mean, it could go great, but what happens if he, you know, throws, pulls the Nathan Peterman, throws five interceptions in his first game? How's he going to respond It'd to that? Ruin him. It could. It easily could. It's that makes me thirty percent more interested to watch USC football this year if they're starting an eighteen-year-old. Exactly. So at eleven thirty, whenever you're about to go to sleep, it, you may as well just stay up and watch him. Flip it over to the Pac-12 network and watch <laughs> USC play BYU or whoever they're playing. <laughs> That'll be great. UC I can't wait. Irvine. I'm so excited for college football. I, I, I joke, but I will absolutely watch the USC UC <laughs> Irvine game at 2 o'clock in the morning. That'll happen. You can write right. that Let, down now. Let's move on to some SEC predictions and thoughts because it's the best conference in the country. Um, so let's talk first about Alabama because they are the team that got the most national or first place votes they're the defending national champion so as much as it pains you to talk about them first let's talk about them they had a Have lot to. they were in the news a lot this offseason especially with the quarterback controversy between Tua and Jalen Hurts so I, I think Tua is going to end up I think it's pretty clear that he's going to win this job um, it surprised me that Hurts decided to stay and even if he stayed decided to you know remain at quarterback just because after what Tua did came in and succeeded so much after uh, Hertz came out of the game um, and, and didn't perform well in the national championship, um, it seems pretty obvious who the, who the quarterback should be going forward to me. Um, but I know that was just one game, and, and Jalen Hurts has had an illustrious uh, college football career. So what are your takes on that matchup, and what do you think turns out for them and, and also for Alabama this year? I think that if you watched the end of the national championship game and you watched how Tua led them back through the touchdown pass to win in overtime and then watch how he handled the, the media afterwards, I think it's been pretty obvious who the starting quarterback was going to be since that moment. Um, and Saban and the coaching staff, they really they slow played it because you, you don't want Hurts to transfer because you need a good backup. I mean, it, we see it every single year when quarterbacks go down and just completely derail seasons. So you need Hurts there. But, I mean, I would be shocked if Jalen Hurts starts a game for Alabama this year that did not involve injury. I think Tua's the guy. He's, just got, he's so much more dynamic as a passer. Um, from the Hurts' point of view, I get why he stayed because apparently he's going to graduate this year anyway. So you stay on at Alabama. You compete for another national championship. You work under the best coaching staff in America. And then you graduate and you go play wherever you want to. You know, and you, he'll have, I guess it depends on if he can take a redshirt year this year. He could potentially have two years to play somewhere else. Um, and I don't think he's a guy that's going to be an NFL quarterback. Uh, I saw him play in Neyland, not last year, but the year before as a true freshman. And he tore Tennessee up on the ground, but he missed a bunch of wide open throws. I mean, he's got a strong arm, but it, he does not know where it's going. So I don't think he's a guy that's worried about getting to the league necessarily. But... It's, I mean, two is going to be the starter, and Jalen Hurts is going to be one of the best backups in the country, and then he'll go somewhere next year and be, you know, presumably one of the best starters in the country again, like he was the two years prior to this one. Jalen Hurts is such a, a great athlete that I think he'll definitely play in the NFL. I just don't think it'll be a quarterback. Yeah, I should have, I should have to preface that. I don't think he's going to be a quarterback in the NFL. He's a great, you know, I don't know, wide receiver, running back, anything. As, as an athlete, at that game I watched in person, he was one of the best athletes on the field. It's just as a thrower of the football, he's not in the elite tier by any stretch. Looking at him, something about him just screams New England Patriots. Doesn't it, though? It'd be like returning punts 
and catching passes out of the slot and doing jet <laughs> sweeps, playing a little what? cornerback. You know, I, I gained a lot of respect for him last year whenever he got pulled for that game, and he was the biggest cheerleader for Alabama that second half. I mean, he that's was all class too. I mean, in the post game, they he just had one of the worst football experiences you could have, being pulled out of the biggest game of your life, and he went out there and handled like a pro. I was really impressed with him as well. Yeah, so definitely rooting for him going forward, uh, but we will see what happens at the quarterback matchup. What is your take on Alabama this season? They're going to be good. Really? <laughs> I, I mean, Alabama. I was looking. I was looking at some over unders, uh, win loss over unders before we came on. Their over under is eleven wins. That's insane. That means to I take the bet, over. If you bet the over, they have to go twelve and zero. That's insane. I, I I don't know. I will they win the SEC? Maybe not because they might lose to LSU. They might lose to Auburn. They could lose to Mississippi State. But I would be shocked if they weren't in the college football playoff. They're going to go either 11-1 or 12-0. and And then they're going to, if, they, if they're undefeated, they'll be the number one seed. If they have one loss, they'll be the three or the four seed. And they'll probably play in the national championship game again because it's a machine. I mean, they crank out linebackers like they're coming off an assembly line down there, man. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it, it is. It is really unbelievable. I believe you, and I agree with you. Um, yeah. Alabama will be very, very good. So that just makes Georgia's chances of winning the SEC championship that much harder. Georgia obviously coming off and really, really, really good year last year in which they made a huge step under Kirby Smart. They're returning their quarterback, Jake Fromm. Uh, you've got the two running backs that did leave last year, um, and Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb. But you've got Holyfield and Swift still there. They did have a top running back, Terra's ACL, for the second time a couple days ago. But just like Alabama breeds linebackers, Georgia breeds running backs. So I think they'll be okay there. They sign like three five stars a year. It's ridiculous. My boss is a big Georgia fan, and we were talking about the running back. Is it Zaire White or something something along those lines? The five-star they signed this year just hurt his knee. And I was joking with him that, you know, you guys have a long tradition of – having five-star running backs with no cartilage left in their knees. And now that Chubb's gone, you just had to sign a new one. So it's fine. I'm sure he'll be great. <laughs> Luckily, we have a dozen more that we can run out there. <laughs> literally as we, I should say, I mean, as Georgia can run out there. Um, but, you know, they've got a little easier road than Alabama does. There's not another SEC East team ranked in the top 20 preseason, top 25. They do have to play Auburn. They play them every single season. So that will be a tough matchup. Um, Who's the other crossover to the West? Auburn and who? Who else do they play? I'm trying to find uh, it revolves. I'm oh, to this find season? Yeah, this season. I'm not sure. I'll look it up. I'm looking. Talk LSU. about Georgia while I'm looking LSU. It they play LSU in Baton Rouge. That's not going to be an easy game either. Georgia no. is – they're set up uniquely to compete with Alabama in a way that I don't think any other team in the SEC has been in a while. Um Georgia's kind of been a sleeping giant for a long time. I mean, they've got one of the best recruiting bases in the country. They've got, you know, all of the the money and the facilities that you need to be good. Um, and now they got a coaching staff that seems to be taking advantage of it. I mean, with you just look at the recruiting classes they've signed the last two years and then the one they're working on for this coming year. It's, it's Alabama quality. You know, it's a level that no one else is recruiting at except maybe Clemson. Um but at the same time, I, I guess, 
I mean, I, I hesitate to say prove it to me because they did last year. You know, they were one play away from winning the national championship. But I guess I won't believe that they can legitimately compete with Alabama on a year-in, year-out basis until they consistently do it year after year. Uh, with that being said, I think their path to the SEC championship game is a cakewalk. I mean, who are they going to lose to in the East? You know, Tennessee's not beating them. I don't think Florida's going to be very good. South Carolina, that's always a weird game because they play it like August 15th or whatever. That's just I weird. think Missouri might be the game that hangs them up. Missouri. With Drew Locke. Missouri's getting a lot of uh, a lot of helium. Is that what the kids say? They're getting a lot of buzz <laughs> in the preseason, you know? Drew Locke has got that uh, a little bit of like sleeper number one overall pick thing. You know what that reminds me of? It really reminds me of Tyler Bray's last year at Tennessee when uh, he had a great sophomore season and coming into his junior year, everybody thought, oh, he's a first-round pick. He might go number one overall. Uh, That's not the only similarity that that season has to this season for Drew Locke. The other one is that Derek Dooley will be prominently involved. So Derek Dooley, new offensive coordinator for Missouri, Whenever you think Missouri is going to be good, just remind yourself that Derek Dooley is going to be the offensive coordinator and then temp- temper your expectations accordingly. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. All right, so now I want you to talk about Tennessee. The floor is yours. I'm not going to say anything because I'm sure you got enough to say for the both of us. All right. All right, I've been preparing this statement for a while. Um I would say like six months, but it's probably more like a year or maybe like 20 years. It's been a long time coming. (laughs) Since 98. (laughs) Since 98. Perpetually, it feels like 98. Um, Okay, so broad strokes, my thoughts on the Vols. I'm cautiously optimistic about Jeremy Pruitt. He obviously was not our first choice. If you follow college football at all during the offseason, there was a pretty uh, long and storied coaching search we had there that was great fun for everybody um <laughs> well, oh my like, gosh we uh, could do a whole podcast just on that and we should and one day we will i think aaron lewis has to be on that pod when we do it <laughs> um, let's do it after a tennessee win how about that assuming we'll get any this year um i really like pruitt and the staff he put together they're no nonsense guys which is the exact opposite of what we had with butch jones uh, it's cliche but they're just good football coaches and that's a breath of fresh air. Uh, I, I'm cautiously, cautiously optimistic about them, their long-term, I guess, prospects at Tennessee. That being said, this year, um, I'm not letting myself buy into it. Every year leading up to the season, you know, through, through fall practice and through August, I slowly get more and more optimistic. And then before the season starts, I'm convinced we're going to go 10-2 and or, you know, 12-0, and depending on how good the team is. I'm not letting that happen this year. Um, I think they're going to be a little bit better than people think. I don't think we're going to go four and eight again. I think that they will at least go six and six and make a bowl game. With that being said, I think the three games that are the biggest games for Vols fans to watch are the opener against West Virginia, Florida in Neyland Stadium in September, and then South Carolina at the end of October. I think of those three games, you have to win at least one of them um, to be comfortable making a bowl game. I don't think Florida's going to be very good. I don't think South Carolina's going to be very good. And who knows with West Virginia. They'll probably score 70 points a game, but are they going to stop anybody? I don't know. I think Tennessee has a chance to win all three of those games. I don't think they will win all three, obviously. I don't even think they'll win two. I think they get one of them, um, and that's really what I want to see. I want to see them win one of those three games, at least be competitive 
against Auburn and Georgia and Alabama, which, by the way, how do we always – we play Alabama every single year, and then our crossover is always a team that's ranked in the top ten. We get Auburn this year. The year we got LSU, they were great. We got Mississippi State the year they went 9-0 and were ranked number one in the country. That's an aside. It's ridiculous. Compete with the elite teams. Beat the bad teams. Please beat Vanderbilt and Kentucky and Missouri. If you beat the bad teams and beat Florida, I'll be fine. End of rant. So what do you think Tennessee's win total odds are? Okay. The, what do I think the odds are or what they should be? <laughs> what do you think they are? They are five and five and a half. Yeah, they are five and a half. They are five and a half. I think it should be six and a half is what I think. Because if you look at the schedule, they got three bot wins, you know, against the Patsies that you pay to come and get a get a win. So you win all three of those games. The other non conference game is West Virginia. That's probably a loss. Um, and then you've so you've got the three bot wins, and then if you just beat Vandy, Kentucky, and Missouri, you've got six. And I long for the days when Tennessee could count on Vandy, Kentucky, and Missouri being wins. <laughs> I mean, please, just beat those three teams, and then we'll go from there and try to find our seventh win somewhere else. But I will know if we lose one of those three games, I will, I'm not going to be out on the coaching staff because that's way too you know stereotypical Tennessee fan. Um, but I will have tempered my expectations drastically if they lose to Vanderbilt. I just will. I mean, it's a good coach at Tennessee doesn't lose to Vanderbilt. You should never lose to Vandy. So if, if you want to make a long shot and really, really, you know, just believe in the falls, believe that it's 98, believe that they're going to do great things, you can take them to win the SEC championship at 66-1. to 1. Okay. I would, I would take it at 660-1. to 1. <laughs> I'd throw a dollar on that. I'd throw one Bitcoin on that. Would that's a uh, that'd be a lot. That's a lot. Um, of money. You imagine if that hit, you'd be rolling in it. I wouldn't have to do this podcast anymore. <laughs> you could sponsor this podcast. I could sponsor this podcast. Which we need. We need me undies to come along and do that. So you know, me undies, great product. Send us Bombus. Some money. We need Bombus to come. Cut on. a check. Bombus, my feet are cold. Send me some <laughs> socks. Are there any other SEC teams you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, we kind of touched on a lot of them. I think. One one more before we get out. This is a this is a special one for uh, one of my LSU fan friends. I don't think LSU is going to be very good. I think that they are going to have a disaster season, and Coach O is going to get fired on October eighteenth. I don't even know. Is there a game on October eighteenth? Who cares? There I it is. I don't care. October eighteenth, Coach O out. Mark it down. We'll see if that comes true. Wonder what the odds are on that. Probably better than Tennessee's SEC championship odds. Well, Let's they're move on. as good of the odds of me charging the mound at PNC Park right now because your pitchers keep hitting Freddie Freeman. You need to calm that down. <laughs> What's one the score? more person hits Freddie Freeman, I'm coming through the TV. It's still one to nothing. Oh, man. Our 19-year-old right. pitcher that we're starting has yet to give up a run somehow. It doesn't make any sense. That's all right. We'll get you guys in the ninth. Oh, that's um, going to happen. Oh, too soon. So, let Big Ten. Big Ten, you good with that? We've um, got some stuff because in the Big Ten to talk about. Yeah, we, we, we still have yet to talk about Urban and buried the, the Ohio State Buckeyes. We buried the lead. That's because every other sports network and website and podcast has not buried this league, and I'm tired <laughs> of listening to it. But Fair enough. let me get your thoughts on it. Um, I'll let you go first on this one. You dive in. 
I mean, since you're over it, get it out of the way, and then I'll give you what I got. There's just there's a lot of stuff, and of course, I, I think we'll find out more in a couple of days about Urban, what he knew, what he didn't know, um, how much involvement he tried to put to stop it, you know. Um, but it's just a, it's a really sticky situation, um, and you know, I don't want to I don't want to speculate on. You know, if he should be fired, if he should not be fired, because I, I don't know all the details of all of that. But what I do know is that he's away from practice right now while Ohio State is trying to get ready for this season. And that's going to play a bigger role than you might think. You know, all of these coaches and all, I'm sorry, all of these, all the players are out here. And of course, his staff is, I'm sure, doing a good job. And I'm sure he has some influence one way or another. Um, even though he's not supposed to. But what I will say is it's a huge distraction for those players not knowing if their coach is going to be back or if he's going to be fired. A lot of those people came to Ohio State, not because it was Ohio State, but because it was Urban Meyer. And he has a pedigree of winning and getting guys to the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see what it does to his team this season. That's why I think they dropped. They, I think they would have been ahead of Georgia in that poll and probably would have gotten some national championship or I'm sorry, number one team votes. Um, but instead they were number five and it would also be interesting to see what it does to his recruiting class this next year, because I'm sure he'll have some guys decommit just because of all the hoopla that went on. It's tough. Um, I think, oh, I, I'm going to assume that it's probably tough for parents to send their kids to that program right now with all the stuff going on. And, like you said, it doesn't look like Urban was directly involved, but he seems to have known, you know, some stuff that was going on, didn't handle it appropriately. My big question for you is how is Urban Meyer going to weasel his way out of this one? Because he has been perpetually kind of on the outskirts of trouble for a long time. Um, and he saw the ax coming down at Florida and he faked a heart attack. So what's he going to do this time? Pul- pulmonary embolism, um, stroke, <laughs> high blood pressure, uh, gingivitis, what's it going to be? How's he going to get out of this? Because Honesty. Honesty. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, right. No way. Yeah. Urban, no, um, no, that's not it. That's not what he's going to do. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, For some reason, it just feels really hard for me to believe that they're going to fire him. It seems like, well, they're coming – I think Ohio State has said that they're going to give their official ruling or whatever this Sunday. Um, I saw a report on Twitter before we came on that said that the uh, administration at Ohio State is leaning towards some sort of suspension for Urban Meyer, probably for some games that don't really matter and having him back in time for games that do matter because that's what college athletics tend to do. Um, I don't know, man. I'm going to go the other way. I think that I think he's coached his last game at Ohio State, even with what I just said about the administration leaning towards keeping him around on a suspension. I think he's done, and I think that there's more to this story. I mean, a lot of stuff has come out, a lot of really shady stuff about Zach Smith and about the way that entire thing was handled from the top to the bottom. I just I think there's going to be another bombshell to drop, and Urban's going to be out. And that's why I have... Um, Penn State is my favorite to win the conference. I don't think Ohio State's going to be – I mean, like you already said, just him missing the time he's missed to this point is going to have an extremely negative effect on him. 
because love him or hate him, he's a great coach, and him not being there for the majority of fall practice is a huge negative. And then if he misses any games, that's a negative. And it's my opinion, I don't think he's going to coach again for Ohio State. So I can't see a team navigating that level of a storm and still coming out with a good season on the other end. I think it's going to be a really tough season for Ohio State, and I think they'll probably go hire Bob Stoops in the offseason and be good again next year. But I think this this is going to be a rough season for them. We will see what the administration says on Sunday after they come out with their report on what all went on. But until then, I guess we have to assume um, that Urban Meyer will be there until we know otherwise. Um, and I think that's why the coaches, or the, I mean, sorry, the AP moved Ohio State down, but still kept them within the top five. Uh, we talked a little bit about Wisconsin. Um, don't know much about them. Don't know why they're in the top ten. Don't know it. Where do you think Wisconsin ends up at the top 25? I have no idea. I like oh, – Six? Somewhere between six and 13th is probably where they'll end up. They'll probably go like nine and three. They'll probably lose to Michigan and Penn State and Iowa or something weird. Iowa and, at home. If they play yeah, Iowa at home, they'll lose it. That's an L. That's a big fat L. They'll probably go nine and three and then – They'll probably make the Big Ten Championship because all the teams in the West are trash and get smoked by Penn State and go to the Music City Bowl and get beat by Butch Jones. That's probably what will happen. Here's what's going to happen, to be 100% honest with you. Wisconsin's going to start the year strong. They're going to be undefeated at some point and move up to maybe number three or number two in the country, and they're going to play a big game against a big team and just completely play terrible. And they're going to get routed and never recover. Because I feel like that's every year I feel like there's a big game that Wisconsin plays, and every year they lose that game. So I've got their schedule pulled up here. They got Western Kentucky, that's a win. New Mexico, that's a win. BYU, that's a win. So they're 3-0. and You know, um, I think Clemson plays Texas A&M early in the season. I think Alabama's always got a pretty big game. One of those teams in the top five will lose in the first couple of weeks of the season. Wisconsin's going to be 3-0. and I could absolutely see them being ranked second or third, going into Ames, Iowa, week four, and laying yes. an egg and getting run off the field and falling from number three to, like, number 25. Isn't that and the Iowa at the time will be – I will be, like, 2-1 and one and ranked 24th. Yep, that's exactly right. And that's what's going to happen. You heard it here first. I'm frantically Googling to see if Iowa University is actually in Ames because I think it's not. I think it's in Iowa City. But hold on. You talk. I'll figure this out. No, so it's definitely, it's definitely in Iowa City. Sorry. My apologies to all our Iowa population that listens to us. Big mistake wow. by me. Wow. That's embarrassing. Do you think the final score of that game is combined over 10 points? Over under ten and a half. I'll take the over, but it's it's in the ballpark. I, I, I see. It's like twelve I, I see, to nine. I see. I see. I see. Iowa somehow winning like like six six to two. <laughs> it's the old good old fashioned eight to six game with like four missed extra points, even though no one scored <laughs> a touchdown. Yeah, that's right. You're right. Uh, you talked a little bit about Penn State and about how you think that they're gonna win this conference. Um, and you, you talked a little bit about them earlier, but 
Um, you have anything else to say about Penn State? No, I think I I pretty much said what my feelings are yeah. on Penn State. I think yeah. it's going to open up for them, and uh, I think they got a chance to win. McSorley for Heisman. So what? What? Any other teams in any other leagues that intrigue you? Obviously, Clemson. You talked about them being what you thought was the best team in the country with all their returners. Um, definitely a very very solid team. They should roll through the ACC. Um, I mean, who who all? Miami. Um, I've got a, I got a couple. Let me throw. I got three or four that I'm going to throw at you, and then you just pick out, you know, whichever ones you want to talk about. So, the other interesting teams I've got here, um, Michigan. I think is going to be interesting. They got Shea Patterson from Ole Miss, big time recruit to Ole Miss. Played as a freshman, was pretty good. I think they just now announced him as the starter. Um, so they might actually not be mediocre this year. You got Kyler Murray at Oklahoma. Just signed his like five and a half million dollar signing bonus to play for the A's in baseball, um, but is still going to play his last year at Oklahoma as the quarterback, taking over for Baker Mayfield. Chip Kelly at UCLA, that's going to be interesting to see how he implements that system there with not his players, um, but still an offensive genius. Um, and the last one is Florida State. I think Florida State's going to be very interesting this year because they've got all the talent in the world and they. Uh, kind of had the worst possible season they could have last year, and Jimbo left out the back door. So Willie Taggart's in there now. Um, that's a team I could see going like being six and six and fighting for a bowl game, or surprising and winning ten games. So those are some interesting ones. Is there any in there that you might want to expound on a little bit? Yeah, I think a couple of those. First off is is Oklahoma, um, and Oklahoma obviously will will return talent from their college football playoff. Game, but I think Baker Mayfield really made them, you know, who they were last year. So Kyler Murray will really have to play very, very well for them to make an impact this year, I think. Um, you know, obviously they've got a chance to win the Big 12. Um, I guess the next closest team ranked to them in the Big 12 is West Virginia. Um, they're the only other team in, in, in the top 25 out of the Big 12. so But there's always shootouts there, so you never know what can happen. Um, but if he plays really well, you know, they it, it seems like they've got a fairly easy road. Um, let's see. Florida State, obviously interesting. I don't see them making very big impact, to be honest with you. I don't know what their over-under wins is, but I'd probably I take the under. I think it's seven and a half. Ooh. That's right on the nose. I don't, man, I don't know what Vegas is good at this stuff, man. They're good. That's why they make the money. I uh, know. Um, you think, oh, I'm going to take the under, and then they put it so low you can't. UCF is ranked 21 right now. I don't think they stay in the, in the top 25 very long. U- UCF um, was number one on my overrated list. They're there solely because they went 12-0 and last year. They lost Scott Frost. They're national championship. Can you name one UCF player? Currently, without Googling it. Do no. you know who the head coach is? No. No, they're not going to be finished in the top 25. That's ridiculous. You should, if you're going to give the token small school in the top 25, it should have been FAU. Lane Kiffin is going to be in the top 10 at some point this year. Write it down. Heard it here first. FAU will be in the top 10 at some point this season. All right, you heard it. There you go. Is Okay. Is there any other teams you want to talk about? I think we, we covered most everything. I mean, we hit the big ones. Um, we talked about potentially doing a part two of the 
college football preview maybe early next week um, where we kind of go in some different directions. But I think these are the big the big topics. I mean, we we got to do our playoff predictions. we got to do our awards predictions. But I'd kind of like to wait on that um, until next week, get a little closer to the season, get a little better feel for what's going to happen. So other than that, I mean, I don't have anything else. All right. I think that was good. It was so good to get back and talk about football. Oh, it's great. It's great. The Braves the are somehow still winning one to nothing, even though we're getting ready to choke it away. So it's all good as of right this second. All right. We got to leave and turn on that game. So <laughs> coming at you will be a baseball pod after this with Lewis and Lewis talking about, you know, everything that happened, including the Acuna hit by pitch. Yeah. Aaron um, Lewis will have some thoughts on that. Strap in. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we've been talking about this Pirates-Braves game and how the Pirates came back and won it it in the ninth inning. Until then, thank you for listening. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at InformalUS or email us at InformalPublication at gmail.com. I'm at Austin Coley on Twitter. Sam is at Lewis underscore 06. Until next time, peace. Peace.